Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, a seminal moment in the history of talk sport as Charlie Baker was going to tell an offensive joke and didn't say it on air. Didn't say it. Many congratulations to you, Charlie. It's a, it's a great step in the right direction of radio. It wasn't offensive. It was just uh, slightly racy about Sir Trevor McDonald. And I didn't think the 81-year-old knight of the realm didn't deserve deserved it. it. No. So hey, there we are. what's coming up in the podcast? Bryn, Bryn Law, he's coming on, yeah. uh, talking about Wrexham. And Ryan Reynolds, that's exciting, isn't it? Jack Fincham from Love Island. Right. Remember him? Yes. He was I good, spoke wasn't to he? him quite recently. You, are, you asked him an excellent question, which I thought was very good. Thanks. And someone else. Why are you shaking your head, John? He's already forgotten. <laughs> Jared, Kimber. Jared Kimber's coming on. Oh, yeah. Do you remember the life good, of Dean Jones. Yeah, Jared. Sadly passed away, and uh, what a legend Dean was. Yeah, and here is good. the podcast. <laughs> Good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon, Charlie. Good afternoon, Max. Yeah, and that is a, a, a real shock. Is at fifty nine is is no age at all. Um, the Cricket Australia chair Earl Eddings said Dean Jones was a hero to a generation of cricketers. Will forever be remembered as a legend of this great game. It's truly a sad day. Uh, his loss will not be just felt at home in Australia, across the globe. Uh, many remember him for his brilliance in the fifty over game. Sort of changed one day cricket. Uh, perhaps his finest moment was in the Australian national test team in the scorching conditions in Chennai in nineteen eighty six, where his and courageous innings of 210 helped Australia to a famous draw against India. Obviously came uh, became a, a great commentator. Played 52 tests for Australia between 84 and, and 92. Um, and he just, he's one of, you know, he's part of that Alan Border, David uh-huh. Boone, Merv Hughes. They were so much better than us as cricketers, <laughs> weren't they? And it's a really sad day and let's say, you know, that last team of players that were sort of unreconstructed, yeah. just men yeah. who said what they thought and liked <laughs> exactly. what they said. Exactly. And, you know. and just, you know, as soon as they got on the plane, they just opened the, you know, David Boone would just drink solidly until the plane landed yeah. 24 hours. And but we'll great to, cricketers yeah, as well. Absolutely. One of Jared Kimmer's favourite ever cricketers. And so we'll get Jared's thoughts on that. Uh, we'll talk to Rob Harris in a few minutes, actually, about... Um, the possible government bailout, you heard uh, uh, Jim and Simon doing quite a lot on this. And I don't know about you, Charlie, I've sort of thought about this uh, quite a lot and read a lot. And the more people I've spoken to about the idea of football fans not going into stadiums, I think my first reaction with all of this is that the virus is clearly, you know, it's very difficult to contain. And maybe this is the right idea. But yeah. the more you read about it, and, I, and I'm really reticent because, you know, we are football fans and this is a, you know, it's a 
largely football station, right? And 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 people will want to hear football fans should be allowed into grounds. It's uh-huh. an easy thing to say to sort of curry favour. But when you when you look at France and, and the number of cases they have and the number of fans they are allow, allowing into stadiums, and you think, you know, the government is bailing out a lot of things, right? We are going to be in a lot of debt mm-hmm. and it's going to take us years and years to pay it back. The amount of work that football clubs have done to make football grounds as COVID safe as possible. Yeah. And, and especially in France, they've had a lot of fans into stadiums. Um, I forget the exact maximum. And there haven't been local spikes. You know, that's the key, right? And, and so it is such a shame. And I just feel they've made this decision because it's easier to say no to everything yeah. rather than look at a case-by-case basis. It's quite possible. And that's what it feels like. It feels like a misunderstanding of, what, especially the lower leagues, especially mm. when you go down to League Two and the National Leagues. It feels like a misunderstanding of of what that level sure. of football is and but, how many fans there are in this actually in the stadium. And, and it's quite possible that Torquay could have, you know, could manage two hundred or five hundred, exactly. And Cambridge could manage a thousand, and you know, and, and also and could almost could manage five thousand. Could almost balance the books yeah. from that level of yeah. uh, of of people going into the ground. And, and and what we need, right, is as many things, uh, be it sports or you know, pubs or cafes or whatever that can pay for themselves, right? Creating money, creating exactly. revenue. Because because so many other things need bailing out. We'll there's there's been a that. joint statement from the National League North, actually, okay. saying that the majority verdict of 81% of the from clubs in the National League North would be to not start the season unless there was a financial support package in place for members' clubs. So they're just saying, we can't do it unless there are people coming in yeah. and watching. We cannot And, and if there aren't play. spikes, then it is as safe as it possibly can mm-hmm. be to let those people in. So just let them in. You you save yourself a problem by doing that. Right? And if and and, and the know, only thing stopping it is that they've been they've been told they are elite. They yeah. are this elite level of sport. Anyone who's watched National League North. <laughs> you go. <laughs> Part of me would be like, I'm quite pleased with being called elite, but you know, if you've been there, you know. Now yeah. uh, you try to watch the uh, obviously you know you're on hey, air yeah. every day. You try and watch all the football, Charlie. Don't I'm you? a pro Max, yeah, as know, you know, and I I've got a know. deep deep knowledge of all football and mm. that comes from watching a lot of it exactly it's for work you know it's a, you can't just the, the job doesn't start at five past one no you know, it's it's 24 7 you've got to be watching some people just swan in at like an hour before the I show know, you know anyway. honestly you don't but, uh, want to name them but i'm watching disgrace I, I went out for a drink with my friend last night mm-hmm. and uh we went to the pub and i said oh just we're in there we're only ones in there and i said they had, they had uh, the hits Right, the Hits UK 80s on. Mm-hmm. I think it was Kajagoogoo at the time. Yeah. Um, and I said, oh, I couldn't put the Carabao Cup on, could I, on the TV? And the, the, the bar staff, she, um, she said, um, uh, no. No, <laughs> I, I'm... I'm um, I want to watch the hits. I want, to, I want to watch the 80s hits. Um, um, otherwise, I just watch sport all the time. So I'm just going to watch the 80s hits. And I was like... Ooh, I don't want to get into yeah. an argument here. The whole I, I nearly went, always right type It's thing. for work. Yeah. <laughs> I have to do it for work. And no one's going to believe you, no are they? Be. So I've seen very little. I've seen That's like okay. Twitter highlights yeah. of but last night. A lot of goals last night. Yes, there were many, many, so many goals. Um, but we're going to ask. Good to uh, see Joe Linton getting yeah. on the score sheet yeah, again. Yeah. He's found his level there. Well, Morecambe. he scored. One of them was an absolute ping. Yeah, against uh, Morecambe. Well, Cambridge put five past Morecambe <laughs> at the weekend. <laughs> uh, now, so we're asking, when, when have you not... 
What what were you made to watch instead of the football? It can be a World Cup final. It can be just your average weekend. Yeah. What is on the telly when you want to watch the football? Eight ten eighty nine at Max Rushton at Baker's tweet on Twitter. Gaz says the Housewives franchises. You know the oh, the yeah, Real Housewives yeah, yeah. of Alabama. I find myself saying, "Oh, not again!" I'm watching that five minutes later, staring at the TV and commenting on Giselle stirring the pot. <laughs> I get to watch Bolton on iFollow at weekends and one more game if I'm lucky. And Pat oh. says, um, "I was forced to watch." Uh, how would we describe this? Adult entertainment. In the back room of a working man's club while sat with my mum and auntie. That's not where you want it. No, waiting no. for bingo to start. Wanting to watch the football. When I asked the landlord to at least turn the volume down, he replied, majority rules. <laughs> <laughs> it does in that sort of film as well. Yeah. <laughs> Sean says, Sean says, the 13-year-old first date at the pictures, Beverly Hills Cop 2. Oh, yeah. Which might have been a 15 or an 18. Was that his date or was that the film? <laughs> <laughs> I had an old Russian radio with full brown leather the case hidden in my jacket listening to Billy Stark score the winner for Celtic against Rangers jumped up shouting yes she wasn't best pleased the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport well, I like this one I went to a local for locals in Bristol to watch the Rugby World Cup oh, yeah. uh, says Jack in Sheffield uh, they looked positively upset that I'd asked if I could turn off the 1993 rerun of the bill that they had on <laughs> it's pretty good the <laughs> bill wasn't it? It, it look it had its moments didn't it but at a green king bell, 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 just walking away. Just walking, uh, just walking away. Walking great. away. Great credits. Just great credits. Um, yeah, at a Green King pub, obviously, you get the football. Right, let's talk to Bryn Law, broadcaster Brilliant. and Wrexham fan. Hey, Bryn, how are you? I'm okay, yourself? Very yeah, good. Well, now, Bryn, did you know who was about to invest in Wrexham? Or did, did this did this tweet, this sort of very understated tweet on the Wrexham website, which went wild last night, did, did you have any idea this was coming? I didn't have an inkling in terms of the names. I, I was aware that there were two high-wealth, high-profile individuals who were interested in investing in the football club. And the, the club had actually made that clear. I'd had a little sort of a, a hint at it happening before it, before it appeared in, the, in a club statement. But I've got to admit, when the names came out, um, it, was, it was something of a shock, I will uh, yeah, you're right. It was quite a drive statement, but that's how we do it in Rex. Mm. We don't get carried away. We you're not bothered. People by celebrity. Hollywood A-listers <laughs> walking into the football club to spend their, you know, untold millions on making us like Manchester City. We keep everything very, very calm and collected. Now, Ryan Reynolds is not just a film star, you know. He's recently come into massive money because he was the face oh, and investor in Aviation Gin. Right. And somebody oh, bought Aviation Gin and he made $150 million from the sale of Avi Aviation Gin. So the question is, why does he want to take that money and put it into Wrexham? Have you Britain? seen Wrexham's away end? It's the most beautiful, <laughs> it's the most beautiful stand. I mean, you can't stand in it anymore, but it's a proper old school stand, isn't it, uh, Bryn? It, it is, yeah. I mean, the ground, I'll be honest with you, the ground's seen better days. We've got one newer stand. The cop end is the saddest aspect of the whole thing. Obviously, we had that really big terrace end behind the other goal, yeah, the opposite beautiful. goal, which is now, which is now just a, it's such a sad sight because, the, you know, the there's grass growing on it. It's falling apart, basically. So the stadium's crying out for a little bit of investment. But uh, why Ryan has chosen Wrexham is, I think, the... Well, we'll say the $64,000 question. Let's say it's the $64 million question, ultimately. <laughs> because, um, you know, there are other clubs he could have chosen, the two guys could have chosen. Why have they settled upon Wrexham? That's the one that really intrigues me, and I'm sure other people as well. But there are... 
I think there are people out there still who see football as a great investment, not necessarily from the perspective, certainly not at this level, from the perspective of actually making any money from it, because it's highly unlikely you're going to do any of that. But just from the point of view of it being an exciting project, a challenge, you know, you've already succeeded in other areas of your life, Mm. so you want to get involved in this. And so somehow... They've happened upon our football club. They may have been looking at other clubs as well. Surely there's something more exciting between wherever Ryan Reynolds is and Wrexham. You've obviously never felt the lure of National League football, Max. I know when you were there. I hated it when we were in it. But but, um, Wrexham go into every season full of hope, don't they, Bryn? They're pretty big boys in in the division oh, and and God, they yeah. they invest every sort of over the year they invest some money they put some money in and you must think this is our season you bought one of our players a, a couple of seasons ago Luke Young and and it was like this oh, yeah. you know one of our best players and we were like and they're like yeah. oh that's well Wrexham are going to do well this season and every season you do well till about Christmas and then it sort of fades away in February and then it all comes around again this is all absolutely true <laughs> and uh, it's it's the reason why so many Wrexham fans are somewhere akin to cock-a-hoop today because yeah. we've had 13 years in, in non-league now. You know, when they dropped out the Football League, nobody would have anticipated that the club would still be in non-league 13 years later. And despite everything, the crowds are still coming in. You know, we yeah. get four, five, six, even seven or 8,000 if you're on a good run and doing well. The people still come. And yet, there's been not there's been this frustration, this maddening frustration as to this club that can't get out of this level that we're at. And one of the factors that's been highlighted is the fact it's a fa- if people don't know, Wrexham is a fans-owned club. Yeah. We had bad owners previously, so then it became a fans-owned football club. So it's been our responsibility to try and get the club back into the football league. And obviously, on that basis, effectively, you'd have to say we failed because we're still we're still playing at a non-league level now. So that's part of the frustration. So now this does appear to be an opportunity to do what others have done and to throw a bit of money at it and let's see if we can't get back in at least to the, you know, to League Two level, at least. I've misquoted the figures as well with this sale of aviation gin. I just looked it up. He sold it for $610 million. Exactly. $335 million up front. Right. And then the rest is installments. Uh, depending on Add-ons. what. Is that a sell-on fee for, <laughs> the, for the gin? And the thing is, the Wrexham fans, and I'm sure you can't help yourself, Bryn, will be sitting there thinking, he's going to put every penny of that into Wrexham Football Club, isn't he? <laughs> for years, as, as a fan's own club, we've held the moral high ground. And we've looked down, you know, piously on the Forest Greens and the, and the Salfords of this world as they've spent their huge amounts of cash on players and we said yeah well there's a different way of doing this now all of a sudden everybody's going right bring it on Manchester City we're going for it we're <laughs> going to compete with you in the marketplace the lack so of, it hasn't taken very long the lack of success is pretty mystifying though Bryn because you're in a brilliant position I mean I'm, I talk about Talk United a lot but that's my experience we're on the you know we're down the bottom of the country no one ever comes to us there's no players around us other than uh, Plymouth or Exeter but you're in the middle of, of that northwest, you know, jamboree of clubs that that you think, well, we should get a few loans here and there yeah. that should should give you that strength. It's a bit of a poison chalice potentially, though, because the on the flip side of that is there's plenty of other places to go as well, you know. So okay, and that yeah. means that's not just that's not just for players, that's for fans as well, you mm-hmm. know. As, as well as we do from Gates, Wrexham is an absolute football mad town. 
you know, Newcastle, Liverpool, Manchester, whatever. Yeah. Wrexham is right there. It's mad on football and has been from the very start of the game. Fantastic history. Club formed in 1864. So there's, a, there's it's absolutely in the DNA of the town is football. But people go other places to watch their football. They go to Manchester United. They go to Liverpool. They go mm-hmm. to Everton. So there is that competition to get bodies into the ground. When we have a good run, they all everybody comes back and you can't get a ticket for love and money. But we've been bouncing around with a sort of three and a half, four thousand crowds, which show the potential there. And I would imagine that if you're making a business decision in terms of investing, you look at the potential and you'll see that this club surely could and should be operating at a higher level. And if it was, it would bring more support with it. So there's more to be done. Yeah, you're slightly worried that, you know, Ryan Reynolds will land in Birmingham and not just go past Shrewsbury <laughs> on the M54 and think, that looks, that looks nice, Redirected to New Quay Airport and have to drive up through Devon past beautiful no, English it's... Riviera. Hands off, he's our Hollywood <laughs> superstar. <laughs> well, uh, look, I really hope it happens. I just think it would be brilliant. It's yeah, a really good did. news to him. And how rare that, you know, a, a, like an incredibly wealthy owner might be, you know, just nice and everybody would like them and there'd be no issue with your own. I mean, people would hate you if you got money regardless, even if it was the coolest man in the world buying your football <laughs> club. But let's hope it happens, eh, Bryn? Thanks, fellas. I very much hope it does. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Uh, good afternoon. You're listening to Hawksby and Jacobs on TalkSport. Max Rush and Charlie Baker uh, with you until four this afternoon. And it was about an hour before we came on air. Really sad, surprising news. Um... Uh, Dean Jones, who was commentating on the IPL, Australian legendary cricketer, sadly passed away at the age of just 59. Uh, Jared Kimber, uh, Australian cricket journalist, a friend of TalkSport, of course, joins us now. Jared, it's incredibly sad news, isn't it? It is. He was quite young, um, you know, still very healthy, uh, played a lot of golf. I think he pretty much lived on the golf course when he wasn't working in cricket. He was still coaching, uh, of course. And uh, he's a, he's kind of a cricket figure who's very well known uh, uh, throughout the world because of some of the things that he's done. So I think it's a big shock for everyone to lose him this early. Uh, yeah, I mean, so many people from other, around the world paying mm. tribute to him. Virat Kohli saying, look, shocked to hear about the tragic loss of... Dean Jones praying for strength and courage to his family and friends. You know, Michael Vaughan, David Campese, uh, you know, Darren Lehman, of course. And he, and he was like part of that, just that Australian cricket team, as as Charlie said at the top of the show, who just, you know, they were just sort of unconstituted men, weren't they? You know, Boone and Border and Hughes and, and Jones. And, and, and like just an absolutely astonishingly good cricket team as well. Yeah, I mean, he was really the KP figure of, of that Ooh. team. In some ways, he was probably almost the most naturally talented, but it didn't always gel in with the way that the rest of them wanted to go about. Uh, I mean, when he made that 100 in the tied test, where he almost died, he ended up on a drip, and uh, many different liquids came out of him on the ground. Uh, it was a very unhealthy innings uh, to play. You know, part of the thing was Alan Border kept calling him soft all the way through. Mm. Um, they, they didn't. You know, he sort of became that person for them, but never quite fit in the way that the the Australians wanted it. But you're right, and he was so. I mean, he he had Viv Richards' arrogance without being Viv Richards. He was an incredible figure to watch, um, and he was also he basically turned one day cricket into what we what mm. we know of it is today. I mean, before that, even when they wore the coloured clothes, they were still basically 
uh, playing, you know, white ball cricket. They, uh, sorry, red ball cricket. They didn't really understand it. And then Dino came along and ran harder than anyone had ever run before. Mm. Hit everything in the air, charged down the wicket to fast bowlers. And everyone was like, who is this guy? Oh, and he wore sunglasses when he fielded. He basically, <laughs> he did so many things that no one else had ever done before. He was such a random, um, aggressive person. Yeah, Don Topley has said Dino single-handedly took the game batting into a new level during the 80s. His mm. ultra-aggressive backing up and running between the wickets was a revelation as to his wonderful batting, especially in India, admired so much about him and loved playing against him. R.I.P. Dino, that's him, yeah, which, as you say, is him revolutionising the game, isn't it? Yeah, he, Javed Mandad came just before him, and Javed Mandad being like a crafty guy, Javed Mandad was like, why don't I just hit the ball directly over the head of all the fielders all the time? There'll always be <laughs> gaps behind the fielders. Dino took that and basically put it together with Australian work ethic of, okay, well, I can do that, but then I have to be fit enough to run twos. And you got to remember, he was playing with David Boone, so it was that period kind of just before professionalism kind of took over in cricket, and Dean Jones was incredibly fit. Um, and so he did that. But the, the other thing he did was he went, how do I upset the bowlers? How, how do I make it so they can't land the ball on a good length over and over again? And he did run down the wicket. Um, and he did, you know, bizarre things. Sometimes he would run out to the leg side and all these sorts of things. And he just, it, it worked for him. And for a long period of time, he was the best one-day batsman in the world. Sadly, though, as I said, there was there was always a keep. KP element to it. So he was in and out of the team, even though you got to remember, this is a guy who averaged 46.5 um, in test match cricket and was dropped. Um, and that was after that, right. that double century we talked about before the tied test. He also made a double century against the West Indies and was, uh, you know, and the West Indies, he made the double century against um, and was dropped after that. He never played another test after 1992, I think. So, you know, as talented as he was, he had this ability to be to annoy the opposition and sometimes uh, the Australian selectors and some of his teammates. Uh, and like many people, look, many ex-critters, he became a really accomplished um, commentator as well, you know, and, and you know, that's a, it's an it's a it's a it's almost like a dressing room in itself isn't it the cricket commentary box and everybody knows anyone and he was a big part of that yeah he he's very interesting he got into writing and he wrote wrote his own columns um in fact um so i, I always thought he would go down that um route but then he then he sort of pivoted and became a commentator and then when t20 cricket came along he sort of re reinvented himself again as a coach so he would coach in you know the um psl so he won titles with islamabad united um in the in the pakistan super league uh and then would commentate on the ipl so he sort of became very loved in asia which is quite interesting because you know one of the one of the big um, problems he had as a commentator is he had a hot mic incident where he called Hashim Amla a terrorist um, in, in one in one moment. So it was interesting that the second part of his career he was so loved in Asia despite that that having happened on air. Um, how will this uh, be uh, reflected in Australia? Do you think? Look, he was a polarizing figure, but in Victoria, um, as, you, as you know, Max, I mean, he is an absolute god. He was as famous or as loved in Victoria as Shane Warne was. There's no, you know, he was Shane Warne before there was a Shane Warne. He was our Hollywood cricketer, um, you know, and they were still holding up bring back Dino signs um, in the MCG after he'd retired. That's like how famous he was. Like he, he just was that big a deal in, in Victoria in, in the same way that, you know, uh, it, Merv Hughes was. So I think there'll be, you know, it will be a national day of mourning in Victoria. In Australia, it will be a little bit different. But I think that now looking back, I think a lot of people think we probably just didn't, a bit like, I suppose, you know, to go back to that KP analogy, people will look back and go, we probably just didn't handle him correctly and we could have got more out of him. But uh, he's, I think he was 
he ended up becoming the sort of the fun uncle. Um, you know, he would do right. these ridiculous things. Like he called himself the cricket professor and we'd go on Indian TV wearing, you know, full uh, <laughs> the full um, professor outfits. And, you know, I, I did a segment on Indian TV with him once where I was just like, I cannot believe they're putting this on air. It is so crazy. So I think he did become that f- sort of fun uncle thing, as you talked about when, when he became a commentator. So I think a lot of people will miss him. He was certainly, you've got to remember in English cricket, he was hugely important um, in, in Durham. He went up to Durham early on and was loved in Durham. Not as much loved in Derby, although he did make a lot of runs for Derby. And, and, and when you sort of met him and spoke to him, do you, how did you think he looked back at his playing career? You mentioned the sort of comparisons with, with KP and the idea that maybe he could have got more uh, caps if he'd been slightly different. Did he, do you, did he think he had any regrets or he just, you know, he was who he was? He had this incredible um, fragility to him. He was incredibly arrogant and inc- incredibly self-assured. You can't run down the wicket to, to you know, bowlers in the 90s when the wickets weren't as good as they are now if you're not arrogant. And let's not forget, he had that incredible moment where he told Kirtley Ambrose to take off his um, armbands because they were oh, putting yeah. him off. Like, who upsets Kirtley Ambrose? <laughs> no no one. But then Kirtley so- Ambrose took... Five for 14 or something, didn't he? Ridiculous but something. Did, but, but didn't get Dino out, yeah. which is, as he remembers the story. So I think there was always that, he had that incredible arrogance, but also the fragility of like, mm. um, I've just written a piece about him where basically he would tell you how great he was, but then he would stop to look at you and ask you if you thought he was as great as he did. Mm. Um, so there was always that. I, I don't think he, he would have, I don't think he had the personality to ever change who he was. I just think that perhaps um, if he'd been in a slightly different cricket environment, he was so big in Victorian cricket at that time that he could do whatever he wanted. Perhaps if he'd been in a slightly stronger cricket culture, um, that might have been different for him. But uh, yeah, I think he was frustrated to, to say the least, uh, that he didn't play more for Australia. But there were certainly, there were reasons for that. Also, Australian cricket was so good. I mean, you're talking about, yeah. he was trying to get into a team that had two wars, uh, Alan Border, David Boone. There weren't a lot of spots mm. for him. So the minute he wasn't the guy that they wanted, they pushed him aside. Uh, Jared, thanks so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. No problem. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. 
Jacobson Jacobs on TalkSport. Max Ross and Charlie Baker with you till four. We were just saying there in the break. Just, saying, oh, the, the, just imagine the pressure being in that 80s Australian cricket team and, and the, pressure, the pressure to be brilliant at cricket, but also to absolutely get on it at all times. <laughs> just, <laughs> just have an orange juice, yeah, please, yeah. Smurf. Just a sparkling water, please, David Boone. <laughs> yeah, I'm, in the, I'm in the field. All the, I'm wicket-keeping tomorrow in Chennai <laughs> yeah. in 50 degrees. You realise it's a five-day <laughs> test? That's not just have it. Another. Do you have another. I have, I have really good willpower. If someone brings out loads of tequilas, I just say I'm not having it. Well, depends where I am in the evening. I, I did. Uh, I, I once went to Tenerife with the Soccer Saturday crew. All right, someone's doing all right. We uh, <laughs> those are the days. <laughs> and um, Clang. And we, we went on this golf day, and we'd been out the night before till one in the morning. Oh, one, one or wow. two <laughs> for me. Rock and roll. <laughs> Sorry, Keith Richards. I didn't realise we were <laughs> <laughs> late for me. Anyway, we'd been out all night. All right, and then we played golf, and we got about eight to play golf. And yeah. We went back to the hotel, and they went to the bar. I said, "I'm just going to have a nap." And and the look on their faces was basically like I'd killed their entire family. They're like, a nap? <laughs> Who has a nap? Sure, I can't remember who it was. You were super How can we call, lads, you, a lads, lads, can lads, we call lads. you a legend if you go and have a nap? <laughs> legend. I, I don't want to be called a legend. I just want to go to sleep. <laughs> I had four hours uh, sleep and played golf. We're going out again tonight. Anyway, you're right. I wouldn't I wouldn't survive in that yeah. elite sporting environment. <laughs> neither for my batting, fielding, or drinking ability. In the, uh, in the Arsenal back four in oh, the late 80s. Wow. <laughs> or the Australian. Yeah. I would be stood next to Perry Grove's plant pot with that pouring everything down there. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport. On the subject of uh, um, uh, trying to trying to con your, uh, your child, children, yeah. yeah. I, uh, Simon says, uh, well, just to, doesn't get the TV. I have twin daughters, so uh, the, the lunchtime games always get turned over for Peppa Pig. Mm. My wife insists they don't have TV on when they're winding down from 5pm, so good, that, good screws, Great that screws Super Sunday. Oh. I'm just a dad in pain here. Can we just play games that kick off at, at 7.45, You have please? to get it on your laptop. That's what you have to do. You have to watch it on your laptop. That's the yeah, second screen. Another from Jack saying, watching my father-in-law give a speech to a garden full of uh, my wife's family about his new venture... Venture, oh, venture yeah. while listening to the Steel City Derby on my discreet <laughs> oh, headphone, yeah. having to stifle a huge shout when the blades went three two up. The things you do for love. So yeah, if you uh, if you want to keep those coming, please. Uh, either when you don't you need to watch it, of course, because you can just hear the pictures on Talksport well, Max. Absolutely right. When you've surreptitiously listened to or watched the game, or, or when you've been in a pub yeah. and they haven't let you turn over for the football for. Repeats of Top Gear, the World <laughs> Cup match, wasn't it? Repeats of Top Gear. I know Gear. actors who've who've gone off stage to find out penalty shootout results and cut and gone back on when they were when they when were they meant were in, to. when they were in plays. <laughs> were they meant to go off stage? Well, there's a sneak off and come back. <laughs> Where's on. Hamlet? Where's Hamlet gone? <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. Good afternoon. Hawksby and Jacobs on TalkSport. Max Rush and Charlie Bacon for Paul and Andy this week. Uh, John has been in touch okay. uh, to ease the relations between me and Terry Gibson. If it makes you feel any better, I think Terry Gibson, instead of saying, thanks, Charlie, he said, signed off with Max, Charlie, not thanks, Charlie. Hope this helps. If only they'd recorded this show and we could find out. Could somebody listen back. Somebody. Could somebody just check? Just to, I mean, I'm not that bothered. If I'm honest, I'm, I mean, I'm, norm- I am, I, I'm I am normally bothered. called Andy. <laughs> anyway, Barry, quite old Barry. You know, quite it's, often it's I'm rare. sitting next and, to you and I call you Barry. And other names. Absolutely <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, let's talk to Jack Vincent. Yeah, of course, you he's a nice guy. From, um, do you know that for sure? I mean, I yeah, think I met, he is. I met him okay. at a, 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 a nice? pre-Cheltenham Paddy Power oh. in Paddy's house, and, oh, right. and he's a lovely, lovely man. Excellent. He's becoming a professional boxer. Uh, hey, Jack, how are you? 
I'm good. How are you guys? Yeah, very, very well. good. Thanks very much. Um, why are you? Why are you becoming a boxer, Jack? It, it appears, like from an amateur perspective, as somebody who's never yeah. been punched, a lot Very of people painful. have wanted to punch me, yeah. but, but no one succeeded yet. It, it appears <laughs> quite a painful route to take. Well, funnily enough, I've literally just finished training. At, um, I've been training down West Ham Boxing Gym today. I've, been just, I've spent the last two hours getting punched by a pro who's 13 and 0. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I used to box as a kid, so I mean, I had like twenty six fights. Okay. Oh, okay. This yeah, is the comeback. So it, 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 yeah, this is this is the comeback. I mean, like, so I mean, I'm coming off a loss, funnily enough. Like, <laughs> my last fight was um, was probably like, I'd say four years ago, and then I started working on BT Sport with um, with a show called Ultimate Boxer. And you know, like I was watching, I was watching people in the ring, and I thought, class, I think I've got one more in me. I've got one more in the tank. Oh. And like, just, just getting, you know, I've been given the opportunity to train with like Ben Davison, like, it's, it's once in a lifetime. So I thought, if I don't take this now, I'll forever be going, yeah, I could have been the best, I could have been good. And I don't want to be that old fella in the pub saying, yeah, I could have been good. Mm. I'd want to say, do you know what? I got in there and I've done it. And it's, and it's a kind of a personal goal of mine, really. Um, I mean, I would much rather be the old person in the pub going, I could have, I, actually, I could have been. When, when you are punched in the face, Jack. Yeah. How how hard is it to stay where you are? Because my feeling would be, if I'd been punched in the face, I'd move my face to some other place. Well, this is where this is where your footwork comes into it. So you've got to keep you got you got to keep your distance. You've got you got to use your footwork and stuff. Because that's what that's what I've been working on a lot. Because obviously anyone can go in and learn how to throw a one-two left or right uppercut right hand. Anyone can throw the shot. But it's just about learning to wear you know ring craft and stuff. So I, that's what I've been working on at the minute. Um, don't get me wrong, I've took a few shots to the face recently, but um, I'm just shaking off the old ring rust. So, Jack, you were on Love Island, and you were yeah. seen as you were seen as sort of a, a bit more of an everyman than everyone else because you weren't yeah. ripped. I mean, you look normal okay. to me. You look very fit to me. You look <laughs> like no, you when I, when I walked in there, I was just faced with a lot of six packs. To be honest, yeah. Did you just breathe, was, breathe in for a few weeks? Is that how you dealt with it? Uh, <laughs> Oh, God, I've never held my breath for so long in all my life. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm assuming the boxing now is a, such great exercise that you... I've seen yeah. a couple of pictures, and you're you're looking like you've, you should get back into the old Love Island. Yeah, well, I think now, I think I should do an All-Stars one. I go, look, see, I, I've got abs. They was there. They were just underneath. They were just covered well. Boxing training is like, completely different. Like, I, I'm not one of people who want to go in the gym and lift the weight because I'm like, well, I don't know what I'm doing it for. When you've got an end goal, mm. you kind of like you, 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 your brain's focused on it. And I, and there's no sport like boxing, like to be to get fit and get in shape. I don't think, you know. Have you got your first fight lined up then, Jack? Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, it's on the 10th of November. So, um, yeah, it's not, not too long away. Not too long away. And who, who are you fighting? Because sometimes, you know, sometimes, we, you know, they build up this fight. And it's really, you know, it's Anthony Joshua's up against someone who's never been in a ring. You think, oh, I'm not stand up till midnight for that one. Are you up against someone who can, who can punch or are you up against a plank of wood? I, do you know what? I don't know. I don't oh, know. But oh. you've got, what, you, what, you've got, what you've got to understand is, so, so these, these, these boxers that walk, in, that walk in there, they didn't, you know, they're known as journeymen. They didn't start out as journeymen and they can give you a tough time. Yeah. So that, they, their record might say, you know, they've had 100 fights, one, I don't know, four. But listen, they can give people a tough time in here. They've experienced it tough and they can make you work. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So, I, 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 and for me, because obviously I've been, where I've, I've been in the ring, it takes a lot of uh, 
balls to even just walk in there in the first place. So you can't take anyone for granted. Mm. And in boxing, one punch can change a whole fight. Of course. And, and what are you, middleweight? Flyweight? Well, I think you're middleweight. I'm like flyweight. I am. Light. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm. I'm aiming for super middleweight, but I, I'm. I'm more like light heavyweight at the moment. But okay. I think this one probably will be at a catch weight. I should think. And do you think so, you just? You, the heaviest I got to was 102 kilos. Oh, wow, that's well, that, you don't want to be a heavyweight, do you? You don't no, want to be a you don't want to be a heavy. I would be a heavyweight, but with no strength. Yeah, it's it like a worries, terrible it? mix. Always worries when they go and Anthony Joshua's <laughs> weighed in at fifteen stone eight, and I think well, <laughs> that's your us. weight level. <laughs> now, Jack, are you are you doing? You say this is just you want to have one fight, or or is this you want to come back and do it and have countless fights? Do you know what, right? So uh, this has uh, been a dream of mine since I've been a kid, you know, when I was in the amateur gym and, you know, boxing all over the country. And I, I, don't, I'm not, I don't want people to think that I'm doing this. This is not a joke. And, it's, and you can get seriously hurt in this sport. Mm. So I don't want people to think I'm just doing this just for the sake of I'm doing this as a personal goal of mine. And I'd like to see how far I can go with it. I'm being realistic. I'm not sitting and saying, oh, yeah, I want to go and win a world title. I'm, I'm being realistic. I'd like to say... You know, go, maybe in a year's time, go for like a southern area title or something like that. I don't see why I can't do it. Like, why? Mm. Why can't I do that? So, you know, and especially the team we've got around me, like, I don't see any reason I can't get to that level. And, and on a sort of serious note, is, is part of it because when you get fame so quickly and so mm. much of it, that it's actually quite difficult to sort of find your place and find your yeah. direction and where yeah, you need to go and what you want to do in your life? I'm not going to like it. You, you know what you've hit now and yet. Like sometimes you feel, you know, it, work can be sporadic, and you, and you know, sometimes you, you know, you're not, you're not got much to do. And there's no, I, I'm, I'm like, I like to have a routine, mm-hmm. you know. So when I've got a routine, everything else around, you know, in, in your life just, just seems to get better. So you know, I'm getting up and training in the morning, kind of chill out, have something to eat, then train again in the evening, and that's my routine now. Mm. And I just feel like since I've been doing that, everything. You know, he's falling into place better. I feel happier in myself, etc. Because, you know, you're right. It's just like overnight, and all of a sudden, you think, "Hang on a minute, what's my job? What do I do? Like, when when's my next job coming?" Yeah. And, you, and it, it's kind of one of the things where you just think you, you don't. You get a bit lost, and you just think, "What am I doing?" But like now, I've got like this sense of direction. Everything seems to be just just getting better for me. Oh, that's good to hear. And, and they're making a a, they're yeah. making a, a sort of documentary following you, Jack. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, so but they're doing like a you know like a little build up like a a YouTube channel yeah. um, kind of thing. First episode went out um, yesterday. Um, Will this interview be on it? Life. Will this interview be so on it? Get... Do you Jack. know what? I wish it was now. Oh, yeah, you've said, you've said a lot of good stuff. Maybe you could say. Oh, we'll have to, we'll have to redo it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Have you got a nickname, Jack? Are you the Finch, Jack the Finch, Fincham? I'm not going to use this now, but I'm going to tell you this. So when I when I used to box as an amateur, this is where it come from. So you know the shot, the song, Jumping Jack, Flash. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Basically, when my trainees say jumping jack, like to get in the ring and start sparring, <laughs> you go jumping jack, and all of a sudden you went, oh, jumping jack, flash. So I just yeah, put jack yeah. flash on my short. Nice. Go with it. Go yeah. with it. Well, Jack listen, Flash Fincham. Good, brilliant. Good luck, Jack, in the fight, and uh, come back on and tell us how it went. I will do. Hopefully, I'll come on and say I knocked him spark out. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, uh, thanks for your time, Jack. Appreciate it.
Take care. Thank you. Uh, Jack Fincham there. Um, should change it. Jack Punchum. Oh, very good. Nice, um, Dean says, on the subject of uh, the Rolling Stones, oh, my yeah. dad still dislikes Mick Jagger because oh. he went to a Rolling Stones gig on the same night as the 1990 semi-final between England and uh, West Germany oh, back yeah. then. Jagger that told them that England had won during oh. the concert. When he got home and switched the news on, he was furious. That's awful. That is not fair, Mick. Shame on you. Uh, Jonesy, on the last day of 97-98, Forrest needed a win to return to the Premier League. Unbelievably, we had to go to a wedding in a church that had no radio signal. I'm still frustrated that I accidentally left my one-year-old's bottle in the car and I missed the whole service. <laughs> Very clever. And Tigger says, uh, no way no one has ever punched you, Max. Uh, <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Uh, good afternoon. You're listening to Hawksby and Jacobs on TalkSport. Max Rushton and Charlie Baker are with you until four this afternoon. And Adrian the Darman, final hour, Max. final hour. Do you think it'll be the best of the three? Yeah, Worst of always, three in the yeah, middle? I think we go to a peak. Like that start oh, slowly, think so. move up to a peak, and then jump off the cliff at the end of the show into Durham. A bit and like Goffey. Oh, I see. Is that what, is that how you view driving? Yeah, <laughs> right. like a free fall, isn't oh, right, it? Okay, like, like a, a base, constant free like fall, a, like a base jumper. It's yeah. that. Whoa! It's that much adrenaline hitting stuff on the way down. Um, now, now, in this ten minutes, so it's just sort of free, free, free. It? It's like uh, you know when you're like on a on a group trip, and it says, "Now you got some free time oh, just for you." No, yeah, it's free time for us right now. Okay, um, I, I want to uh, I want to add to the marrow conversation. Mm. Not quite. It's just bringing the marrow you conversation. Think I don't know anything about marrows, and I've <laughs> I've made a lot of very good points. <laughs> made one re marrow growing. <laughs> Said. I've got this. It was like it was like you know. It, it's like when you know. It's like a doctor arrives at this thing. Yes. I've got this, and he said yeah. to grow a marrow, you need a marrow seed. That is not what I said. Anyway, I will bring it. I will bring that all back to sport very tenuously okay. after we've heard, uh, and with great thanks to at underscore Jamaha on Twitter. And you know, I, uh, social media is a mixed blessing, isn't it? And uh-huh. there are some terrible people on it, just throwing hate around or just being nasty to people. And it's probably not good for you. You should probably get rid of all of it and then some then occasionally someone does something brilliant yeah and he just tweeted uh he just tweeted i've got it right i want to get the exact words absolutely right he just said i've just made a a uh, a deep made a deep house track with mick mccarthy vocals doesn't say anything else a picture of mick mccarthy from many years ago with headphones on and uh, it's two minutes 15 how much of it are we allowed would you say we'll, we'll play yeah uh, good for some 40 it. seconds it here, gets it boring. here it is it's wonderful I'll be right up for it tomorrow. Do you want to see us get slapped? Yeah, yeah. Uh, give me my notes and time to show his gob and support him. Uh, 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 uh. Come on, off speed. And I said to TC, get that number out. And he said, Oh, I said, you know. Yeah, yeah. I like it. It's really good, isn't it? I didn't ever really had voice, isn't it? I never really had a deep house sort of. No, but I like that feeling. I felt like the feeling it gave me, Max. Like, will you retweet that, Max? Or, I already and, have. And, already well, have. Did, did you quote retweet I it? I quote which retweeted it. Do you always quote retweet it, don't? Because then you get a bit of reflected glory. I didn't do it for that. I just wanted to say how happy yeah, I was. But you often quote retweet oh, rather yeah. than just no, retweet. It's a little bit more, Mick. Do you know, on this day in 1983, Glenn Hoddle scored that chip uh, 
against Watford. And it's one of the greatest chips of all time. The first touch, it's like a little back heel. And, you know, the keeper's basically on his line. It's absolutely glorious. Uh, so, um, what hasn't been mentioned? Oh, yeah. Um, what what, really what hasn't been mentioned? Um, from the Newcastle-Brighton game at the oh, weekend, yes, the 58th yes. minute, they, they took off Tarek Lamptey and brought on Dan Byrne. Ah, that yes. is replacing someone who is five foot five Lovely. with someone who is six foot seven. Yeah. That is adding... Uh, that's, you're getting 37 centimetres more footballer wow. when you bring him on. One foot two of footballer. Is is that fair? A, an extra four-year-old. <laughs> you are, well, an extra average length of a cucumber, bringing it slightly back ah, to Mary. nice. What would you prefer on the pitch, Charlie? Would you prefer Dan Byrne or Tarek Lamptey running down the flank Waving a cucumber. That's the question. Tarek Lamptey. There we are. I think it's very, what a lovely thing you've worked but out anyway, there. I did, I did as much Googling as I possibly could to find out, is this the biggest ever height differential oh, well done. in a substitution of all time? Mm-hmm. You would be surprised to know that that information is not freely, it's not, it's <laughs> not not freely available. And I did want to go to Opta Joe or one of the, you know, Duncan Alexander or Richard Jolly, one of these very good statisticians to yeah. say, could you tell me if there's a bigger... The listeners are good at this. Could you? Has there ever yeah. been a bigger height differential? Did you know? Did but did Peter Crouch ever come on for Alan Wright? Was, if, if was, someone was, can look, were they into, both at Villa at the same time? If someone can look into um, Danny Stevens, I'm just going with Talk United again because I know it. But he was okay. very, very. I think he was about five foot one. Five Danny one. Stevens, the five okay. foot one or five two. Yeah, and so. He he was often a sub. He was a really did brilliant, he play tricky with, did winger. He, did he play with Carsten Yanka? Did, did they ever play together? I, I watched him mark Adebayo Akinfenwa. <laughs> That's once. not fair. <laughs> that isn't fair. Um, but he will have come on or been subbed off for somebody, you mm. know, in that era. So that, there's one to look into if well, they need. We need a bigger guidance, height, a bigger height differential than one foot two for a substitution. Mm. Do you think they should have to? You know, uh, Graham Potter should have had to even it up. You know, to take off someone a bit taller and place it with a shorter person to make it fair. Should you should you have to have the same average height on both teams just to even it up? Should that be? Should okay, that be a should, thing? Be, <laughs> uh, someone will say. Someone someone will tweet some rage. Speaking of Peter Crouch, he's in the paper every day. I'm, I am. I like Peter Crouch. I think he was a really fun footballer. Smashing, yeah. I think he appears like a lovely man. Quite like to be his he friend. He would have been subbed on for someone, surely. Well, exactly, yeah. Um, Sean Wright Phillips. Well, was he ever in the team as Sean? Same right. Sean as Sean Wright Phillips. Oh, we should check that. But he's in. He's in the paper every day. Yeah. Today he's just in Great the paper PR. carrying a cardboard box. Good luck to him. Well, good luck to him. But you know. Surely there's more important things in the world. It's lockdown, Max. Right They've got now. to fill it with someone. Right. Chunky thighs and wide hips. Right. They're talking about me again. Mm-hmm. Chunky thighs and wide hips linked to long life expectancy, Max. It's oh, good right. news, isn't it? Okay. Isn't that good news? People with, so. people with large thighs or wide hips are less likely to die early. Well, because they're less likely to fall over. I said, <laughs> I'm a low like, centre of gravity. <laughs> I have said, unless they go caving. Because then they just get stuck. <laughs> uh, chat show host Steph McGovern. Oh, uh, yes. Thought Sir Alex Ferguson was a cabbie and tried to load her bags into his posh Jaguar. Which uh, is not a euphemism, Charlie. She mistook the former Manchester United boss at a station in the city. Steph, 38, told Women's Weekly Mag he was laughing his head off. Mm. There we are. Oh, yeah. uh, which Premier League manager would you most like to be your taxi driver oh uh, well uh, at the moment yeah I'm trying to think of a 
name of a Premier League manager. Can you think of manager? one? Can you think of one? Um, I can't think of any. You can't think of I can't any? Think of any. What about, do you know who the Liverpool uh, manager is? Uh, that's what Jürgen they're doing on Drive Klopp. later. Yeah. <laughs> Go with Jürgen Klopp. Who, that's the quiz for the show. <laughs> Will you get in and say, you've been busy. Yeah. Uh, what time do you finish? What, yeah, what time do you finish? Time you How is it? Always surprises me, and I know lots of uh, taxi drivers listen and hello to all of you, is if you do ask them about it, they always answer and then tell you about... Taxi driving for the yeah, whole journey. Really into it. Yeah, <laughs> really into <laughs> yeah, it. Into it. They talk. should be instead of talk sport. They should be talk taxi. They'd love that. Just, mm. ta- just God, taxi FM. It would do so well. It really would. It'd be on in every single. T- this is a yeah, good idea, actually. Really Max. good idea. So isn't I've it? just come up with a yeah. great idea to save radio. Yeah. Have you seen that cycle lane on uh, the embankment? Oh, that is a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolute nightmare. They've shut that street again. Call in now. Do you want the strongest beer? Um, this is some PR for Brewdog. Don't know okay. Craft strongest ale. readily available. It's market. sold out. The world's strongest beer in under twenty-four hours. The limited edition. What percentage do you reckon ABV? I'm going to say fourteen percent. Fifty-seven point eight percent. That's hand sanitizer. <laughs> forty mi- forty milliliters. <laughs> God, that would be. Oh, no, you just not one for the road. You don't want that, do you? Um, sad news for Sir Trevor McDonald. He's oh. um, split from his wife. Oh, I'm sorry. But good news for people because he's back on the market, Max. <laughs> okay, yes. He's yeah. eighty-one. Right. He's getting out there. He's going to put himself out there. And me and my wife watch... And finally, bong. Yeah, and me, and, uh, me and my wife watch first dates, and we even think if, even even if our relationship gets so tired and stayed yeah. and, and just boring... When? I yeah. just can't... I just can't face going on a first date again. Ever? At 81. Even with, even with Sir Trevor McDonald? Mm, no, no. I mean, I'd go for dinner with him, but I, I wouldn't want to leave my wife for him. I just had a very rude question in my mind about <laughs> Sir Trevor McDonald hey, that I don't think I should have said Charlie, it. this is such a great <laughs> moment for us on TalkSport for the first time ever. Charlie Baker had something really terrible to say and he didn't say it out loud. Self-edited. I, I this is just a wonderful <laughs> moment for all of us but mainly for me that I don't hold the it table. Was, it, was too, it was too far even for on there. Uh, a robot named Curly. Oh, here we are. Beat all the human rivals oh, well at done. the Winter Olympic sport of curling in South Korea. It wasn't in the Winter Olympics. I thought when I first read it, it was doesn't happen, does it? The Winter Olympics, but yeah, oh, Curly. They called it Curly. Oh well, I, Steve says I was at Capello's first England game against Switzerland. The two substitutes who came on were Crouch and Wright Phillips, but they didn't oh, come okay. on for each other. If Crouch ever came on for Aaron Lennon, yeah. it's a difference of one point one eight feet. Says nice. Andrew, the Spurs fan. Uh, there we are. Uh, apparently, the manager I wouldn't want as a taxi driver is Slaven Bilic. He'd argue with the fastest route to the destination. Says Amps. Well, you've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. <laughs> 